Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Imagine from God's perspective as he's, he's observing everything among his kids. While it does bring him great joy that there be unity among us, it grieves his heart when there's division and fighting and hatred and bitterness and we don't like them and they don't like us. That just, that'll never be what God wants. And so as believers, we gotta, we gotta have God's heart towards other people. It'll never, division will never be what he wants when he wants, he died that he'd make two people that shouldn't like each other become one. Growing up, did you have a sibling or acquaintance in your life who, when you got together, brought fighting and strife? Pastor Bill, through his teaching today, shows you how it's possible that two people who can't necessarily like each other can still be committed and work together. God desires unity between all his children, especially on the major points of faith. The smaller petty arguments can be put to the side in light of the bigger picture, the redemption of all God's created people. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. You know, church is not to be a cultural thing. That's why, I mean, I don't really get up here and do political stuff. I don't get up here and go on a whole lot of them because it's not what it's supposed to be about. And real quickly, you could be speaking to one group and usually it'll be your group. But God wants to speak to a lot of groups. God wants to talk to everybody. God, there should be a word for everybody sitting in the room with a soul and a spirit and, and, and eyes and ears. And so that's how we want to approach this thing. And so moving on, there's now in verse 14, for he himself is our peace. We read that who has made both one and he has broken down the middle wall of separation. And it's Christ that has broken down the middle wall of separation, which he's going to say in just a minute, were all the rules and regulations of the Old Testament law, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the, the animosity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And what God says that he knocked down was all the laws. Most of us are familiar with the Ten Commandments. None of, none of us are keeping that, right? But if you were a Jew, there was over 300 laws that you were under. Sometimes I read them and I just think, you know, this is, this is tough. I was just talking to somebody recently and I said, you know, I've, I've had times where I wish that I could have been alive for a different, a certain part of like history. I've never wished I could have been alive during any Old Testament. I've never looked and said, man, I wish I could have been alive during the days of Leviticus. No, no, I don't. You know, I, I, maybe the time of Jesus, that's the only time I've looked back. Like I would have just loved to, to be with him and to see him do the stuff. But I've never looked at any other time in church history and think I would have liked to have been around for some of that, you know, because I would not have. I kind of like where we are right now. I'm thankful. You know, so he says again that, that it is it, it is him. He, he himself is our peace. And he tore down, he knocked down. The, the ordinances, all the laws and all the rules that, that the people had to keep. And back then, you know, if you were going to have a relation with the Lord, it was there were rules. You had to wash a certain way. You had to wear certain clothes. You had to observe the Sabbath. And they, they took all the laws and took them to a, a degree beyond what God even intended. And you and I, we come in this simply. God said, just believe it. Believe, believe that I lived the perfect, holy, sinless life that you can't live. And I died on the cross in your place because I love you. And as you put your faith in me, I will forgive you. I will come live inside you and I will begin to, to direct you and guide you how to live your life. God said, that's the deal that I'm making now for everybody. That's how we come in. And so as believers, again, we, we, we come in on the grace of God. We come in on Christ's sacrifice. I think we should be some of the most thankful people. I think as you go back and read your Old Testament, you would be praising God. God, thank you. 
<laughs> thank you that I was born now. Thank you. Thank you that, um, you know, these guys, the guys that were living for God in the Old Testament, they were living with just hope in the prophetic promises of what God said he would bring. Not even in their lifetime. We live after after Christ came, after Christ died, after Christ resurrected, after he you know, gave his instructions for those of us for the rest of this time, we're living after. So we should be going even harder than they were without all the extra rules, regulations and so forth. Verse 16, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And that was Christ's desire that through the cross, he would reconcile both groups into one body. And so I believe that God is glorified when there's unity in the body of Christ. And I don't think unity just among colors. Sometimes there's division among people that even look the same. Division never pleases God. It's never, it's never what God wants that there be division in the body, whether it's racial division or just sinful, carnal division among people. God is always glorified in unity. Uh, for any of you guys here, how many, how many parents here have more than one kid? Raise your hand. You got multiple kids. All right. If you got multiple kids, you'll understand this because we've been made in the image of God. If among your multiple kids, you come in and you find all the kids just loving on each other and doing a project together. As a parent, you just get a warm fuzzy. You know, it's like, man, look, look they're just loving each other. They're just having a great time. As a parent, those are, you appreciate that. How do you feel when you come in and they're all fighting and, and yelling, they took my thing. <laughs> it's just, it's a, you don't like that. That's not what you want for them, right? That's not what God, that, and if you think about us, we're God's kids. God doesn't want that for us. Uh, my dad told me, me my, I have a sister that we're a year apart, and we fought, like, we fought, and we and in the house, we fought like cats and dogs. Out of the house, we were the doer, dynamic duel. We, we would team up on everybody else, but in the house, it was, we would just go at it, and we had, we didn't have, like, little, you know, scuffles, like, slap, no, we had... We had brawls. She beat me up for a good part of my life. She 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 had the she had the edge on me. So we were we were throwing, we were wrestling, we were fighting. There were there were gashes. There was there was all sorts of things that went on. And my my parents were both. They said we were really concerned because I mean you guys would really fight, you know. And he went as a kid. You don't think about it, you know. She broke my thing, and you know I remember one time my mom was gone and she had broke this little robot toy I had, and I was I was I was mad. I wanted revenge and. She was in her room cleaning up and I went in and there was just a bag on the floor and I picked it up and I swung it. I didn't know it had books in it. And so, boom, she had a gash on her head. And I was like, oh, no, you know, so that was bad. You know, we, we had all kinds of wars and fights. And, uh, you know, and, and my parents were both just saying like this, you know, we, we're really they're worried. You know, like, can we leave them together? And and then we finally it ended around mid high school. We had one last subtle. And that was it. You know, that was that was the that was the end of everything. And so imagine from God's perspective, as he's, he's observing everything among his kids, while it does bring him great joy that there be unity among us, it grieves his heart when there's division and fighting and hatred and bitterness. And we don't like them and they don't like us. That just, that'll never be what God wants. And so as believers, we got to we got to have God's heart towards other people. It'll never division will never be what he wants when he wants. He died that he made two people that shouldn't like each other become one. He died that there would be unity among us, that we would not only be made right with him, but that we could be right with each other. If you got people in your life, particularly if they're Christians, and maybe there's division between you and people and there's beef and stuff like that, here's a word on reconciliation, right? There's never an instance of reconciliation that doesn't require death. For you and me to be reconciled to God had to be death, death of Jesus Christ. 
And when there's disagreement and strife and beef between people, usually the way it's remedied is somebody's got to die. Somebody's got to die to their to their their right to be right. Someone's got to die to their pride, you know, but many times it can be that someone dies. There can be reconciliation. And so if you got outstanding, ongoing beef with believers, the Bible says as much as it's possible with you, be at peace with all men. Don't you be the one stirring up stuff. If it can be peace, you make peace. Now, if you try to make peace, and you can't make peace. then you know that that happens sometimes. But you make sure as much as it's possible with you, you've attempted to walk in peace with people and you've been willing to die to whatever offended you or people can make their way back. Sometimes, you know, somebody just being willing to let things go can leave the road open for people to be reconciled and get things right. So so moving on. Verse 17. Now it says, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off to those to you who were afar off and to those who were near. And I want you to consider this here. He preached the same message to those who were afar off the Gentiles and to those who were near the Jews. Here's the thing. If you were a religious dude without Christ, you were close. But were you is that is that close enough to go to heaven? No. And if you were a Gentile way out there doing all kind of reckless and wild stuff, you was way out. You know, you guys need the same thing. Here's, here's my point. Sometimes as believers, we'll look at some people and say, oh, they're too far gone. They're way out there. They're never going to hear it. And we just so we don't preach to them. And then at times there are people that seem like, you know, I've, I've tried to minister to people that were really good people. We all know some people that we would say, I mean, they, they're good people, but they're not saved. And you can't be good people enough to get to heaven. Right. If you, if you know some people that they're really great people, they're nice, man, they're kind. They're nicer than some Christians I know, but they don't know Christ. They need the same message. And so don't forget that. Don't overlook the good folks in your life thinking that they, you know, they oh, they're all right. They're good. You know, and don't don't be overlooking the really bad people because some of y'all were those really bad people. Amen. Some of y'all, some of us were those that people would have looked at and said, not him. He's not going to come. And then look at you now. Look at what God has done. And so you can't ever look at someone and think they're that far off because rather they're far off or rather they look really close until they're securely in Christ. We need to be witnessing to them the same message, the same gospel. Amen. Amen. And so moving on now, he says, um, verse 18, for through him, we both have access by one spirit to the father. I just want to point out, you see the Trinity in that verse. It says, through him, Jesus, we both have access by one spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, to the Father, to God the Father. And it's through the work that Jesus did for us on the cross that we have access. And when you get saved and believe in what Jesus did, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes live inside you. And now we have access to the Father. We have a relationship with the Lord. And if you ever wonder, how does the Trinity all work together to my, my relationship with the Lord? Jesus died. The Holy Spirit is at work convicting, drawing, revealing, and, and God the Father is the one that, that loves you and sent this whole thing in, in purpose. You know, when you read John 3, 16, and it says, for God so loved the world, who's with God and who is that? That's the Father. The Father so loved us that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe would not perish, but have everlasting life. The Father loves you so much that he sent his only son that we could all be saved. We could all be forgiven. Then the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit is there, you know, with you as a non-believer, helping you. Some of you guys are saved now. And you wonder, you know, how did I go from not believing at all to, to like the light went on? The Holy Spirit was at work, illuminating, convicting, showing me my need for God. That's his job. Uh, and they're all working together to see you and I saved and with the Lord. And so um, and so we could be so thankful for that, 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 that the all persons of the Trinity were at work to bring you and me 
into a relationship with the Lord. Verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but instead you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And so again, earlier we were strangers and foreigners and aliens from the promises of God and everything else. But not anymore. Now that you know the Lord, he said, now you are no longer strangers and foreigners. We're fellow citizens. We're citizens together. And it says we're saints and members of the household of God. Now, when the Bible calls us saints, uh, I know in the Catholic Church, they got this all messed up. In the Catholic Church, they, the saints, they, they, you got to die first to be one, you know. So, so to, to, I don't want to be one yet. You know, you got to die to be a saint according to that. So the biblical idea, when the Bible calls us saints, it's calling all of us. If you're a believer, that terminology is, is to us. We're, the, we're saints. And so you could tell somebody today, we got St. Dre. You know, we got St. Clint, you know, that, that that's what we are. That's that's the relationship that we have with one another. It says that we're, we're with the saints and the members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And so this house that God is building now where the part of the household of God is built on the foundation of the apostles. The apostles were those that God sent out. They were sent out ones with that initial message of the gospel and how to know God. So the apostles and before them, it was the prophets, those that were foretelling who the, the Christ would come and what he would do. And so that's the foundation that things are being built on. And this said ultimately Jesus Christ himself, who is the chief cornerstone. Now, in the Old Testament, the people of God, everything surrounded around the temple. Right. The temple was the place where the people met with God where sacrifices were made, where, you know, that's where they did business with God. That's where once a year the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and make atonement for all the people. And so that was where you would go to to meet with the Lord and to deal with your sins and to give peace offerings and everything else. Now, as you come to the New Testament, we don't obviously observe a temple. We don't observe a holy place. Where's the temple now for us, you guys? Right, you are. Me and you, we're the temple of God. God lives in you. And so in the Old Testament... The Holy of Holies, that was the place where the ark was, and that was where God's spirit dwelled. So the, 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 actual, the actual presence of God was there in the Holy of Holies, and so only the high priest could go in once a year. He better be right, or else he would just fall down dead, and, and they would have to pull him out by a rope. And, you know, I just always imagine, what would the next guy feel like? You know, it's like, I mean, I'd he'd be praying and, you know, repenting of everything he ever thought of, you know, so... That was the old covenant. God says, now you're the house of God. I live in you. God's spirit lives in you. I believe that should impact how we live our lives. And God, God, you live in me. That, that means that there's nowhere you go that God don't go. Think about that. I know. <laughs> nowhere you go that God doesn't go. Nothing you, you know, there's nothing you watch that God's not watching it with you. There's God's with you everywhere you go. God says, I dwell in you now. I hope that we're making him comfortable dwelling. Everybody, everybody here knows that the places you can go in other people's homes, you're like, I'm comfortable here. This is, this is nice, you know. Relax here, put my feet up, you know. This is, the environment is right. Anybody been somewhere that was just really uncomfortable? Stuff was going on, and you're like, man, I'm, what was that over there? <laughs> Who are they? You know what I'm saying? What's that smell? You know, just, I, just, I can't really relax here. No, I'm not taking my shoes off over here, you know. Just, you can go into a home where you're like, nah, this is, this is not right, you know. And so the Lord moves in. And he begins to do his work of cleanup. And so what we want to be, God says, I live in you. 
make, let me be at home and let me settle down and be at home. Let me be comfortable in that house because now we are the house of God. And so I should say this as well, you know, some, some people look at some of the symbolisms of the Old Testament, the temple and the place and all these things. They bring that over into Christianity and then it becomes really religious. And so some of you guys maybe grew up in church, you know, if a kid ran behind the pulpit, I didn't seen kids get whomped. Don't you stand behind the cool pit? You know, like this is y'all know this is not this is a this is a, a wood podium. It ain't really nothing anointed or special about it, other than God's word is going forth over it right now. That's it. You know, these kids running in the church. Don't just don't run into the house of God. Who stand on those chairs? Don't just regular chairs. You know, they they not holy. You know, the Holy Ghost don't exude out of the chairs when you're sitting in them. And this building. You guys leave this building. This building is just a building. Amen. Every one of us is the house of God. We're the church. The thing that's special right now is that we've all gathered together. Right. We've done things that invite God's presence. We worship. God says he inhabits the praise of his people. And so, you know, he's present everywhere. But God says that that word inhabit like he's he's tuning in in a greater way that we're singing to him and speaking of him and talking about him. We pray. Well, that's inviting God. We're talking to him right now. We're we're sharing his word with his people. We're gathered together. And so God is present. Some people try to get real mystical with this. The presence of the Lord was here. If you get enough Christians together, there should be the presence of the Lord. He's in you. And if God is living in you and, you know, just showing himself through your life, we should experience his presence when we get together. That's not some mystical, smoky type thing. It's just that should be the reality. You get enough people together that God lives inside that are living for him. We should get together and just say, man, that was just sweet. God, God's presence was just there and because God was living his life through you. And we were we were we were experiencing that among one another. And so I just want to say that because I, I, I hate I hate extra stuff. You know why? Because God's given us enough real stuff to do than to be adding extra stuff. And I think the extra stuff many times becomes a turnoff to other people. That's my I, the things I looked at where people are it's extra. You got to dress like this. Those are turnoffs. If there was a verse that said we had to dress like this, I would tell you all we need to dress like this. I mean, I'll tell you, you know, y'all need to be appropriate, you know, cover up the cover up stuff. But other than that, there ain't no there's no church attire dress code. You know, we just what you would normally wear as a Christian. You know, if you, if you can't wear it here and you can't wear it, you know, so um, that's it. You know, those are things where people make rules and things that that just don't exist. You and me, house of God. God lives in us. God wants to now he doesn't want to just live in us. God wants to live. He wants to begin to live through us. And so what does God move in to this house and do? We know he begins to transform. God does the work of sanctification. And so the longer maybe God's been in your house for a year, you know, I guarantee you, if he's been there for a year or two, God's kicked some stuff out. He's cleaned up a few rooms. If God had been in your house for 20 years, it, it ought to look like it. Amen. It, it ought to look it, it ought to be different. You know, if, it, if, if God moved in 20 years ago, um, I, I just don't believe it could be the same. I just don't believe it can be the same. I know some human beings that if they come to your house, it's not going to be the same. We, I actually know people that they'll, they at your house, they just have to start cleaning. Anybody knows people like that? It's a wonderful friend to have. You know, they just come over and they just, they're like, just, I'll just do those dishes. I'm like, yeah, just because. Just, just like to do dishes. And they just start cleaning and working. It's like, man, just you come over whenever you want. You just move. We'll make a room for you here. You know, so. There are people like that that it's just not going to be the same when they come. They're going to tidy up and fix things or whatever. Uh, there's some men, you know, we just celebrated our veterans. They're men that were in the military. A guy that was in the military that's carrying that over, you'll look in his space and you know that 
you know, it's because men are mostly, not most men are not like this. So it's military guys. You look at their stuff and it's like, that brother was in the military. Everything is just right, folded, put right, you know, the bed looked like it's the bed and other brothers, you know, he, he might have been, you might have been to the pen, you might have been to the military, you know, somewhere you went somewhere that got you organized like this, you know, but it's evidence there. My point is, as the Lord moves in, he does begin to clean up, you guys, and, and, and God gets rid of things that shouldn't be, and God adds things that should be, and what a blessing that God would dwell that intimately with us, that we get to be the house of God. But then I got to recognize this. As much as I recognize the God in me, I got to recognize the God in you, right? Whatever you look like on the outside, wherever you came from beforehand, he lives in you. You believe in Jesus, then the same God that lives in me lives in you. And we have to be able to fellowship. We have to be able to come together. We have to be there. There ought to be great love between us and, and great you know, unity among us because, man, God, the same God lives in me, lives in you. He ain't opposed to himself. And so if I'll just die to whatever I've been taught or whatever the world is showing me, the God in me is going to love on the God in you. Amen. I was given that counsel years ago. You know, if you have a trouble loving somebody, if you will just die to yourself, that it's you that don't love somebody. If you'll die to you, God will love them through you because you know up front God loves them. So if you have trouble loving on somebody, just get out the way. Stop blocking God from loving them through you. Amen. All right. So that, that word, that's for somebody. That was for somebody. That's the direction for somebody need to go do that. All right. Let's wrap this up. So verse 20 says, having been built on the foundation again of the apostles, the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple. And I ain't speaking on the chief cornerstone, but that was the that's that one block of the temple that it holds everything together. Jesus is the peace that holds everything together in our lives, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. And as he wraps up this section of just what God's done, God's look out. You guys were separated. You were far off. I brought you together. There were two different groups that were at, at odds at ends. I've made you one together. I've made you one church. I made you, I put you to, I made you at peace with God and I've called you guys to, to be at peace with one another. And so all of this, we're learning about what God has done for us, but we're also learning the why. Why did God do all these things? Why did, why did he die? Right. That I could be brought near by the blood of Christ because I was separated. I was distant. Now I've been brought near by the blood of Christ because in their world, there was separation racially. And God says, I made you guys that were separated one. And so I hope that we'll take what we're learning, you guys, that we wouldn't just hear a message at church and say, oh, yeah, God did that for them then. But let this impact how what's your worldview? Let this impact how you look at other people, how you treat other people in particular Christians. But I believe even as we just merge out into this world, I hope that we'll be different than what we see out there, because what we see out there to me is pretty discouraging. I get a, I get a little bothered when I hear Christians taking on the tone of people that don't know God. Because we're the people of God. It, our tone should just be different. Right. We should be we're our str- We should be strumming a chord of love and, and, and in the midst of an unloving world where there's division and racism and divided stuff that that just can't be us. And it doesn't require that we lay down what we are. It doesn't require that we don't acknowledge what we are racially or we don't enjoy it or even celebrate it. What it demands is that while celebrating what I am, I love you for who you are. I recognize that you've been made in the image of God, too. Amen. So may we do that. I, I do want to encourage us here, everybody here, whatever you are, find you somebody this week. Just make it a point to reach beyond what you are. 
that, that you got to take, we have to take what we're learning from the word and we have to flesh it out. Maybe you would say, I already do that. I got brothers and sisters and friends from everything. Praise God. Keep that up. But if you haven't, if you don't have, you haven't got to that place in your walk yet, stretch out this week. Stretch out beyond what you're comfortable and what's normal. And love on somebody that don't look like you. And meet you somebody that don't look like you. And understand they've been made in the image of God. And if they're not saved, God would save them. And maybe you can tell them about what he did for them. Thanks for joining Pastor Bill on the Transforming Word as he teaches through the book of Ephesians. If you're ever or near the Inglewood area, you are more than welcome to join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday, and you can get more information on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. You also can call or text us, too, for more information. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website. Again, that is calvaryinglewood.org. As you listen to today's message, we pray that it has not only inspired you in your faith journey, but challenged you in your relationships. The book of Ephesians was written by Paul around the time he was in prison in Rome. This is one of the most inspiring things about Paul. Even when he was facing some of the heaviest of trials, he was still focused on the gospel mission. He still urged unity. He wrote of patience and love and encouraged people to be as one, just as God the Father is one with His Spirit and His Son. This may seem like an impossible thing to accomplish, but when you're living in the Spirit and by the Spirit, it's easier to genuinely love those around you. Well, that's all we have time for today. But Pastor Bill will have more to share from the book of Ephesians next time on A Transforming Word.